The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, counting the joy from every battle, because we know that you're in those battles, that's a, that's a great truth to hold on to. It's also a tough one sometimes to hold on to. Lord, help us. Help us lean into you. Especially, Lord, I pray for those in the midst of great battles right now. In your name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, here's the story. All right. I'm uh, Monday morning. I'm opening up the uh, the uh, little devotional book that we've been going through in the book of John. And I think uh, it started somewhere in the middle of chapter 7 for this week on Monday morning. And I think it went through 11. So I thought, okay, somewhere in there is, is our sermon for the week, since that's the text we've been working on as a church. Uh, so I, I start to read through there, and I come to, I think it's chapter 8, the story about the, uh, the lady that was found in adultery. And they pick up the stones, remember to stone her. And, and pretty much everybody knows what Jesus said. He said, let him that is... Without sin, cast the first stone. Come on, you all know that. If you have never been to church in your life, you probably remember that because that's a, people love that. And I thought, all right, good sermon right there. Uh, and I started to dig into it, and I thought, you know, I can, uh, you know, there's a, there are tons of different uh, material on this and tons of different uh, sermons that I could gather from, and I thought this is going to roll. I, I don't know how to explain it. I spent about two hours on that Sunday morning, or I'm sorry, Monday morning, and I was just like, this isn't it, is it, Lord? So, kept going. Uh, and then I got reading about Lazarus, and, uh, you know, Lazarus come forth, and how he was bound in grave clothes, but Jesus set him free. And I thought, good sermon there. And I dug into that one, and I thought, you know, this has got to be the one for the week. This is going to be it, no doubt. And then, that didn't work out either. Then I went to the Good Shepherd. That was in there, too. <laughs> Come on, the Good Shepherd. That's got to be the sermon this week, right, Lord? And I don't know if you're following me. You know, sometimes I don't mean mystical like God points, you know, thing, there it is. Uh, but it's just like the messages would not come together. I couldn't get a piece that this is what God wanted me to share. Then I had purposely kind of skipped over chapter 9 because... It's a, it is, there's two reasons. One is it is a struggle for me personally to take the truth of chapter 9 because of my own rebellious nature, my own wanting to be God. So I didn't really want to mess with that on that score. But then also it talks about Jesus' answer really to struggle, struggles and suffering. And I, I, don't, I, I was like, God, there's too many open wounds right now. There are too many people that I know, and I know, um, I'm looking around the room, and I know some of you that are experiencing that right now, but I know even more that uh, hopefully are listening online right now. They couldn't be here because of the suffering, because of the struggling right now, because of what they're going through. And I said, God, it's, it's kind of like, you know, this wound is still is too open. I don't really want to go here today. This isn't the message that I have. There's a couple of things, though, that are just great. Every time we come back to the Word of God, we remember, first of all, God doesn't avoid the difficult subjects. Uh, sometimes the commentaries do. I try to look up, you know, find answers in the commentaries to things I don't understand, and they skip over them completely. But God's Word addresses difficult subjects. And, uh, and I think that's something that is most definitely done here. And this truth that we're going to look at today, or the, the primary truth that we're going to look at, you know, I remember weird things and weird commercials and things like that. Anybody remember, they, I, I, don't, I haven't seen this commercial in a long time, but they had these Sour Patch Kids. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? These little candies that look like, and they're really creepy little commercials because they'd have this little gummy type thing walk in. And, uh, and it would say, first they're sour, and then they're sweet. Anybody remember that? And like at the beginning of the thing, the, the, the little gummy candy had cut the person's hair off or something like that. And then when you get mad at it, it comes over and hugs you. <laughs> and they say, first it's sour, then it's sweet. You are looking at me like this man. It really was searching for illustrations today. But actually, I thought of that phrase, first it's sour, then it's sweet, because that's somewhat how our truth that we look at today is. I think maybe even you may leave here today and say, oh, that's a little tough to digest. But this is one of those things I think as we grow in the Lord, as we come to know Him better, as we come to trust Him more, that which is sour in the sense that sometimes it's a little hard to handle becomes sweet as could be. And hopefully that's been my prayer this week is that that's what we'll see here today as we look at God's five verses of chapter 9, the book of John. And uh, actually, that's uh, as far as reading the text together, that's all we're going to read today. And as he passed by, Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me for what while his day. Night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. First thing that I'd like us to do as we think about this text and we think about this story is understand that Jesus is aware of or seeing the suffering. Okay? Um, the disciples, their response seemed to be more of a, you know, kind of analytical. Hey, who sinned here? It almost seems cruel. You know, here's this guy I can't see, and we're going to talk about, hey, who sinned here? This guy or his parents? And they don't seem all that uh, involved. You know, they saw Jesus seeing him, and that's their response. But I want to, uh, I mentioned, you know, reading this quote as, as part of the message, and I was glad to be able to read it again and, and hopefully give you a little opportunity to digest it. But I want to read it again because what we've been talking about as we've been going through the book of John, that what John wants us to do is see Jesus. He wants us to know him better. Okay? And uh, our author here says the testimony of the four gospels put together is that when Jesus sees the fallenness of this world all around him, his, listen to this, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct is to move towards that sin and suffering and not away from it. And indeed, haven't we seen that as we have gone through uh, the book of John? We see uh, the woman at the well. Okay, we see the funeral of Lazarus. We see the woman taken in adultery. And what do we see Jesus doing? Moving in that direction. Moving in their direction and coming to them. Okay? And, uh, you know, I I think sometimes this is, oftentimes, this goes against our very nature. Okay? Commercial comes on and they're showing uh, dogs that have been abandoned. Okay? Do you know what I'm talking about? We used to watch, I think we used to watch The Pretender on Saturday afternoons. It was on one of these replay stations. And it seemed like that commercial would come on every week. And Francis would be like, give me that remote control. I can't stand this commercial. Uh, And there's there's something right away that, you know, you you, you look away. Um, I saw one recently, you know, showing a bunch of kids that uh, are born with cleft palates. And again, my reaction sometimes is just look away. Look away. I think that was very much the reaction of of the disciples. But what Jesus' reaction is, is the total opposite of that. Those who have been affected, okay, 
Folks, that means us. Those who have been affected by this sinful world, those who are hurting in this sinful world, his reaction is the exact opposite. His is not, oh, hey, let's take an offering for him and throw some money and, uh, and then go on our way and live our lives. Very far from that. You see him drawn to them. You see him uh, that, you know, when we use this expression of seeing suffering, understand I'm just not talking about noticing. I'm talking about I really see this. Okay, I see this and I'm there. But what is the disciples' response? What are they going to do? The disciples are going to question the cause. Okay, now we can probably relate to this one more. Why? Why did this happen? Uh, this is, I'm not, I'm not meaning to preach other than to preach to myself on this because I do the exact same thing all the time. I want to know why. I want an explanation that satisfies me somehow for what's going on because this doesn't make any sense to me, God. What in the world is going on here? Why is this happening? And they say, okay, this, surely either his parents sinned or he sinned. Something's going on here. If you think about it, he was born blind. How could it have been that he sinned? There, there were, was some thinking back in that time that there was such a you know, prenatal sin or what, whatever like that that they could actually sin in the womb. But we don't know if they were addressing this or what. They, but they're just trying to find an answer. Why in the world is this guy uh, blind like this? We don't know the story of his parents. Uh, they are mentioned later on in the text, I think down in verse 8 or something like that. But obviously they could not care for him because it all, I, I, actually it's in verse 8, I think it talks about that he's seen begging all the time. Obviously they couldn't care for him in a situation, so he is left to beg. And this man, this is not something new, okay? This is a man who was born blind, so this is something he's been doing for decades, okay? And disciples are like, why? What, in, what, what is going on, God? I don't understand. And again, as we go through life, I think our hearts often challenge God in that same way. And, and I say this not to be in any way mean, just to kind of relate and connect. I'm sure there are some listening to me right now that this is a struggle. Okay, God, why? What? I, I don't understand, you know, so this guy is 20 years, yeah, surely there's a cause and effect here. One of the hardest verses for me to digest is in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, and uh, it's where Jesus talks and he says that it, the sun shines on the good and the bad, on the, on the good and the, and the evil. And it rains on the just and the unjust. So we're all in this world that is affected by sin and the evil of this world. And, it, it, and I want it to make more sense. I mean, I know there's sometimes when you look and you say, okay, well, this person did this, so they suffered these consequences. But so often you look and you say, no, wait a minute. Why is this happening to this person? Why not to this person over here who's worse? You know, why is this person suffering? They didn't do anything that I feel like they should deserve it, God. So what in, what in the world is going on? God, do you know something here that I don't know? Did they do something? And Jesus basically says, no, that's not what it's about. Now, Jesus could have said, yeah, this is all a result of sin. Back in the garden, uh, when Adam sinned, the sin entered the world, and now we are all affected by it. So yes, it is a result, but that's not really even the direction that, that he goes with this. I was always, I've shared this before, but I was always amazed when I got to talk to different people down at the Hope Rescue Mission in South Bend at their lack of entitlement. In other words, I never heard one of them say, it's God's fault I'm like this. They looked at their lives and said, you know, I made some bad choices and this is where I am. You know, and they say, and, and you know, sometimes even in situations like that, it's kind of like, well, that makes sense to me. You know, I decided to go this route, so this is where I ended up. I get that. 
And we can handle that better than when, I don't understand this. I do not understand. You know, we, we talked, you know, there's a story of a missionary a couple years ago who, you know, sacrificed to go to the field, gets to the field, and the first week he's there, he is killed. His wife and seven kids are, le are left without a uh, parent. And you look and you say, seriously? <laughs> seriously? This I don't get. Why these effects of sin, why this messed up world has the exact same impact on the just and the unjust, I don't really get that. And what Jesus does is while the disciples want to talk about the cause, what is it that Jesus talks about? He addresses the purpose. He moves right there. He changes the, uh, the conversation here around there. We're not going to talk about the cause right now, this. What we're going to talk about is the purpose. And what does he tell them? He says, this man was born blind so that my works could be shown, so that I could be glorified. Now, you say, okay, well, that, well, yes, maybe it makes a little sense, and, and that, that, that's good, but maybe also our heart still struggles with that. God, wait, so this guy spent 20 years <laughs> blind, or I'm, I'm saying 20, I don't know how many. I'm, I'm assuming he's a man, so we're saying like that. So he's lived his life like this. So you can come by and speak a word and, and uh, make some mud and put it on his eyes, and, and, uh, and he's healed. God, I, I, I don't... I don't know if I like this. And, you know, and sometimes we want to say, okay, well, wait a minute. God, Jesus didn't cause him to be born blind. He just kind of found him as he is. He found him like that. I don't know that you can really say that. Okay, and, and we could debate that theologically at some point, but I don't know if you can say yeah, that this happened, God didn't have anything to do with it, but Jesus just found him like this. I don't think, I don't think we, I'm, I'm not even sure you could say, well, God didn't cause it, but he permitted it. Now, I might be, what I'm saying right now might be coming across sour, but let me share a couple verses as to why I say that. Back in the book of uh, Exodus, chapter 4 and verse 11, let, listen to these words. Who is it that made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, says the Lord? And you might be familiar a little bit with Psalm 139, but in verse number 13 it says, For I formed uh, I'm sorry, for you form my inward parts. He's praying, God, you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Okay? You design, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Okay? Am I going to find somebody that is crippled, that was crippled from birth? Am I going to tell this blind guy, uh, that verse doesn't apply to you? God didn't design you. Okay, he designed me, he had a plan for me, but he didn't actually design you the same way. I don't think I'm going to hit somebody with that. I don't think I'm going to tell them that. So we have to look, I believe, at a lot of the, now I'm going to say, um, you know, suffering included in there with disabilities, disabilities and sufferings that we go through because many of us, well, it might be one or the other, but just the hard times that we go through. I think we have to look and see that God designs these things. Ooh, that's the sour part, right? Uh, we struggle with that just a little bit. And I want to understand it. God is not asking me to figure it out, however. He's asking me to trust that he has it all figured out. Okay? And, and you understand, you know, how that is a, is a little tough there. So, if you say, boy, I don't understand suffering, and, I, and my answer is, well, it is for the glory of God. I have to tell you this, and this is probably the main thing we want to take away here. That answer, Jesus' answer here, only makes sense if 
We value God and his glory above everything else. Okay? I've decided to stop this sermon and go to who wants to throw a stone at somebody because that's a lot easier to preach. Okay? But, uh, but here's a, this idea of accepting these things in our life and trusting God with what is going on is tough stuff sometimes. And it really only makes sense if I value, okay, that means I'm valuing him and his glory above life, above health, above the health of my wife, above the health of my kids. You see where that gets a little tough here? Um, I'm going to share an illustration with you, and, and please bear with me. I, this is not a uh, this is not a woe is me. I have a hard life illustration. I, I've said this before, and I and I believe this wholeheartedly. My life has been sometimes I look at it and I feel guilty. It's been too easy. It's been too good. But I wanted to pick an illustration out of my life to connect with a little bit. And not only that, I get a chance to introduce you to my grandson for a minute. If you haven't seen him lately, okay, you ready? Here's Easton, my buddy. Uh, yeah, he'll appreciate me showing a naked picture of him in front of everybody. He's two and a half. Uh, there he is taking a bath. I think this was last Friday night. Now, poor, you'll, you'll see in the pictures later. If the kid doesn't have enough problems, he looks like me. Have you seen that? <laughs> poor, the, the poor kid. Pray for him. Uh, but here's another picture of Easton here. There he is like that. Now, I chose these two pictures in particular because these are taken last weekend. And Easton's doing two things he can't normally do. Okay, uh, he normally cannot take a bath. Uh, he gets to take one once every two months, and he gets to uh, stretch in this position here once every two months because he lives life with his little cast on. He gets a new one every two months, and he usually has a night this past weekend. He had the whole weekend without a cast. And uh, this cast is actually the first one that he got. So um, over, he's in number six, I think, right now, or seven uh, as far as cast goes. So he lives with this. He has... He has a condition called Prader-Willi syndrome, but one of the results of it is severe curvature of the spine, okay? So, uh, so he's going to live with this as long as he can and then have braces and things like that. Uh, now, I, I want to show you a couple more pictures because I, I don't want to be, oh, you know, <laughs> I, if you're thinking, you think this is hard, you want to hear my story, I get it. Okay, I really do. I want you to understand I get that. I know story because truth is, here's, he, he's just fun. I mean, we just have a great time with him. Uh, he has a great life, and most importantly, he has two parents who love him incredibly and grandparents who love him, everything like that. So I'm not like, woe is me, this is a tough story. I wanted, you to, I wanted you to know that. But I was looking for something, you know, just in an area where I struggle as far as with the, just connecting to it like that because, I mean, you know, this is the, the story that is closest to home. And uh, on Monday, when they went in to give him a new cast, the report that they gave about the progress on his spine was very discouraging, you know, that, that type of thing. And, and, you know, we pray for his healing, and, and, you know, the progress has been so slow, and we just struggle with it. And so here's what I... Here, I just... Dear God, if you want to cripple him as much as you want for your glory, I'm good with that. Boy, is that hard to pray. Okay, I mean, you know, th this is my grandson. God, if you if you want him to continue to struggle, God, I, I and, and I pray that uh, <laughs> begrudgingly sometimes and sometimes just angrily, you know, God, I don't that's not what I wanted. I've been praying for years that he'll be touched and he'll be healed. I don't understand it. And play, I, was, I know I'm repeating myself. I feel kind of bad. You know, the, the statement I hear everybody say today is hold my beer. Uh, when somebody's telling a story and you think, well, that's lame. Hold my beer. I'll tell you a real story. I know that many of you right now have stories that 
be like, hey, that's nothing, buddy. That, that's nothing. I get that. I understand. I just want to connect a little bit with where we're going here, and I want to say that I struggle with this, okay? You know, I, I just want to make it as, as personal as I can and, and help you to connect with it. Um. There's a uh, ministry at a church in Minneapolis. It's uh, John Piper's church. And it's uh, basically for those with disabilities. And the man who heads up that ministry, if I understand correctly, his son was actually born with no eyes. And uh, I believe I have the story right. He, uh, the son passed away sometime during his teen years. But uh, the guy that started this ministry to those with disabilities, uh, I wanted to share a little bit about their vision. Okay, I looked up on their website. Uh, they, uh, let's see, I, I wrote the title down in here. They, they put out a book uh, that is called Just the Way I Am. Listen to this subtitle, God's Good Design in Disability. God's Good Design in Disability. Sub the words, substitute the word struggle in there. God's Good Design in what I'm facing, in the struggle, in the difficulties. Tough stuff. But uh, if you look at this statement here, our vision is to value and display the supremacy of God in disability and suffering. God can and does use disability and suffering to bring glory to his name. And then there's some other words in there, but the last statement says, we want to shout that living with suffering and Jesus is infinitely better than being in a healthy body without him. Okay, that's an incredible statement, isn't it? Um, I need to share this with you too, though. The man that wrote this uh, was interviewed. And I, I want you to catch this. He, he said, they said, how long was it till you could deal with this? He said, eight years. He said, I struggled. I wrestled with God for eight years. And I, I really wanted to share that because I don't want you in any sense to say, you know, Pastor Dan thinks, boy, he's going to talk about dealing with struggling and all our problems are going to go away and we're going to walk home and say, bless God, he's got a purpose in it. I want you to realize how much I realize and he realized how much this is a struggle. Okay? This idea of surrendering and saying, God, if this is what brings glory to you, then this is what I want. That's not an easy prayer to pray by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, we could even say it is a downright brutal prayer to pray. But if we remember that indeed his works are displayed in suffering. Now, all the backgrounds that I've used today for the slides have had that same image there. Because I want you to think about this. His works displayed in suffering. I want you to think with me for a minute of the cross. I want you to think about the work that Jesus did on the cross to pay for the sins of mankind. The work that Jesus did on the cross to remove sin, shame, guilt. I want you to think about the fact that God watched his son do what? Suffer and die. And again, please, oh! That solved our problems. We'll go out with a skip and everything like that. And yeah, now I can deal with everything. But I, I call your attention to that. I call your attention that when I say that his works are displayed in suffering, never is that more obvious 
that in the cross of Jesus Christ. Got it? Now, he went on in that passage, he said, I'm in the light. I, I am the light. I'll bring the light. I'll bring understanding. I'll bring hope to you. But I, uh, you know, please, uh, hopefully you're, you're sensing my heart here today because, uh, I, you know, I, I hurt right now. I mentioned this last week. I don't know of a time in my life when I have known of more friends uh, and loved ones that are suffering. I really don't. I just, you say because of COVID, in a couple cases, yeah, but, but not really. It's, it's just, it just seems like things have gotten nuts. Really? I mean, I'm just talking candidly here. You know, I look and I, I just struggle, uh, you know, watching people suffer. And I did not want to bring this sermon because I thought, no, nope, too many wounds, too fresh, you know, not like that. But really felt like this is what God has for us today. But I don't want you to think that I'm like, okay, I'm going to solve the problem here. But I do want to get us introduced to this truth that God works through suffering or, or reminded of this truth and that ultimately his greatest work was accomplished through the suffering of the cross. Okay, and I want to encourage you to be praying too that this is something that God will continue to open your eyes to. As I was working on this on Tuesday morning, uh, my wife said, hey, you want to go get some lunch? And, and I was like, well, kind of in the middle of something. She said, oh, well, I'll, I'll go to Taco Bell. Uh, and uh, she went over to the, uh, to the uh, Edwardsburg Taco Bell and uh, got some fine stuff off the dollar menu. Okay, um, you know, there's something about the dollar menu I just can't stay away from. It's not like I can't afford something more, but that's a dollar? That's great. At the top of the list is the burrito. And uh, while she was sitting there in line getting her dollar burrito, and uh, she uh, was listening to the radio, and she heard a song. And uh, she didn't know what I was working on sermon-wise, but she said, you got to listen to this song. And, uh, you know, usually she's a pretty good judge of songs I need to listen to, so I do. I stop and listen to it uh, because she, she knows me pretty well. And I wanted to share it with you today. We're, we're not done. I have a couple more things I want to say uh, at the end, but I wanted you to hear the song. I, I don't, you, you may very be very familiar with the artist, the lady that sings it. You might know the song, you might not. But I, I encourage you, if you are familiar, to really look at the words. Look at look at what she she says there. So right now I feel a little overwhelmed. Right now I could really use some help. Right now I don't feel like it is well with my soul. I've tried to find a way around the mess I've prayed in faith that the night would end Right here when I just can't understand I lift my hands Hallelujah When the storm is relentless Hallelujah When the power Too far, too hard, become so easy I find peace here 
been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.